This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to invite you to follow the podcast on Telegram. Just search for Mr. Productivity. John Briggs has been doing accounting for 15 plus years. He's written a book about cash flow called Profit First for Microgems. He likes it when other business owners succeed. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, I am... I will tell you this, that I took, I think, two accounting classes way back in the day, and I knew after my first day of, I think it was County 101, accounting wasn't for me. So my hat goes off to anyone who's an accountant who can understand numbers because they just confuse me. So good for you. Well, and for me, it was the opposite. Accounting was like the only subject that made sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you just like, you're drawn to it like a moth to a fl- to a flame then? It was literally the first time a subject clicked for me. Wow. That is fascinating. So I remember, this is going way back in, oh my goodness, 19, early 1990s. And the first thing that a professor told me is the right side's got to equal the left side. I'm like, oh, that's not too easy. Yeah, that's after that, he lost me because you have all these assets and liabilities and like, oh my goodness. And the only reason why I got an A in both accounting classes is that we were allowed to bring an index card with anything we wanted on it. I wrote on the front, the back, the side, everywhere in microscopic font. But I passed, but don't ask me to do any accounting today because it ain't going to happen. That's great. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, your book is called Profit from Michael Gems. And we were talking about before the show started because I'd never heard the term Michael Jim. So for the benefit of the listener who wasn't listening before we hit record, what is a micro gym? Yeah. So your micro gyms are going to be your boutique studios. They're the gyms that offer smaller classes. It's a lot higher price point typically than say, like a gold gym or 24 hour fitness or planet fitness. Those models of those bigger gyms is to rent equipment where a micro gym or boutique studio is really, they're selling their services uh, of helping people improve. So like programming and do this workout and nutrition and things like that. Wow. That's like I told you, it's probably a lot of them here in Houston. I just Never paid attention to them, but I I think there's something to be said about the personal attention. But obviously, you're not a fitness guy. You wrote a book to help micro gyms make money. Uh, yeah, well, we did. I actually so I bought a gym for the sake of understanding our gym owner audience. Wow! And I owned it for three years. I recently just sold it uh, because obviously it's not my main bread and butter. What I'm super passionate about, but. Um, yeah, we it's it's about cash flow and the great thing about the system is it's based on the original concept called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Mm-hmm. And he wrote his book for a generic audience and then um some of us who are um Profit First professionals as we've focused on certain industries, he's given us the ability to write those books to change the system for those um different industries. Now, I actually have that book, Profit First, sitting in my bookshelf. It's in the queue to be read. So why don't you help us, me and the listener, what do you mean when you say Profit First? Yeah, great question. So many times as business owners, we get stuck in the day-to-day and we go from fire to fire. And I mean, if you think about whether it's, you call it Stephen Covey's habits or the Eisenhower diagram that he references, 
a lot of us spend time on the urgent, not important activities. And then profit becomes like an afterthought. And we just hope and pray that we'll have money left over to cover bills and, and you know, more importantly, pay ourselves. So the system says you're never going to be able to succeed if you don't make the intention of having money left over, like to stay in business and to keep your legacy and to keep serving the people that you want to serve. It's a mathematical fact that you have to have cash left over. And to me, there's a psychological fact that as an owner, you have to be paying yourself enough to tell yourself all the hard work you're putting in is worth it. So the system is about that. Let's We reverse engineer and say, instead of thinking about yourself last, identify how much cash do you need to make like to make it worthwhile and how much profit do you need to stay in business? Let's set that money aside first, then use the rest of the funds to run your business. And uh, people will be surprised at how creative, even non-creative people like myself, because I'm an accountant, so we have no creativity, um, how creative we can be in making the business successful with the money left over. Well, I just want to make sure the listener didn't miss something you said. Hope is not a strategy, okay? Uh, you can hope it doesn't work. Um, I am shocked. I, you know, I've done over 920 episodes, over 620 uh, interviews, and I'm shocked the number of entrepreneurs who primarily listen to the show don't know their numbers. Now, I am not an accountant, okay? I just want to put that out there. But I know how much money I'm spending every single month of my business. And every time someone goes, here's a service, I don't just go, yay, I'm going to sign up for it. I'm like, okay, is it going to, is it going to be a drain in my finances? Is it going to serve me? What's the ROI? And I don't understand all the the things you understand, but I just don't like sign up for service after service after service. It's going to pull its weight. Everything I spend money on in my business better pull its weight. If it doesn't, I fire it. And I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs, they just get this service and they don't like it, but they don't discontinue it. They keep spending the money. And then eventually they run out of cash and they realize they're spending all this money for all these features they're not even using. And I just caution people, especially if you're a young entrepreneur or a young startup, before you start spending money, stop and think, how much is this great service you heard about on Instagram or Facebook really going to benefit you instead of just spending money? Would you agree with that? I totally agree with that. We have to, as owners, have to look at our expenses as investments. And if we can't determine what we're getting out of that expense, then chances are it's not a very good one. We, As part of our process with our clients, um, usually it's the second meeting we have, we go through their expenses with them. Like at least the last three months, sometimes we can get through more. But these two things always come up. The owner makes these comments, One, at least one of these. I didn't know, uh, or how did they say that? They would say, I don't know what that's for. And the second one is, I thought I'd canceled that. Wow. <laughs> 100% of the time, at least one of those are mentioned when we review the last three months of expenses. Because guess what? If you say one of those two things, uh, chances are you can cancel that because you're not getting any benefit out of it because you don't even know what you're getting out of it because you don't even know what it is. <laughs> yes. So um, yeah, we definitely advise all owners, even if you don't have a system, man, at least review your expenses and look at it from the standpoint of, is this actually growing my business? Is it improving 
client experience? Is it improving my improving my retention? Because uh, if it's not one of those things, chances are it's just not needed. Mm. That, that is so important. I, I still use a basic spreadsheet because I don't have that many expenses for the business, okay? And so at the very top, I I added up all the, the expenses for the month, and I know what my outgo is. And as long as the income is greater than the outgo, I'm in good shape. But even a simple spreadsheet, which anyone can do, you don't have to be an accountant to set it up. It gives you a snapshot of how you're doing. And, you know, it's got to break your heart when you see people come to you and they're desperate and they have no clue what's going on. And had they taken the time, even using a notebook and just writing down the numbers, just so they know them, but it's almost like they're just going, well, I, I the checks are still clearing. So I guess I'm okay. Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. Yeah, it's funny you you say it. Um, what we're dealing with is it's called Parkinson's Law, mm-hmm. and like. I'm not surprised that most business owners don't understand their numbers because we're all subject to this. And if we're not aware of it, we don't put boundaries around it. So the way the law states that the demand for something expands to match its supply. So in this case, we're talking about your cash. Your expenses are going to continue to expand to match the cash available to spend. Mm. And as business owners, we typically have one bank account. And so we say, hey, can I afford this? You look at the bank account. Oh, I have money in there. Let's go ahead. Let's sign up for this new thing. Well, you're doing that because you think you have the money there. But the reality is as business owners, when we have money come into our business, not every dollar is available to spend. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have a government we have to pay taxes to, whether we like it or not. Got to legally do that. If you have a space that you're like, renting and you, whether you own it or not, you, you've you committed to either your mortgage company or your landlord. If you have team members, you've committed to paying them. And so with our system, we say, look, we're, we can't ignore the fact that this is going to happen, this Parkinson's law. So let's give ourselves this fake reality that we have less money to spend than we actually do. Mm. So let's separate out some of these things that we know for sure we're going to have. One of those is paying ourselves as owners. Yes, we have to have owners pay. So let's separate that out. We take on the risk of own, of being the owners that our team members don't. Well, in the investment world and finance world, those are ROIs. And you get dividends from being a shareholder. In fact, a lot of people like the investment strategy of buying stock that offer dividends. Well, you should be paying yourself a dividend as an owner. So let's separate some profit that you distribute to yourself once a quarter. And then... You have tax, like you're going to owe it, especially as you run the system and you become more profitable, you're going to owe tax. So let's go ahead and set it aside. Now with those big three things out of the way, what money is left over? Now I can look at it and say, can I afford these next things that I'm looking at, these initiatives that I'm trying to implement? One of the things I did, like the affirmation spreadsheet I had, really simple. It would just, the first line would say the date, 
and the current balance. And then I would like do it for the whole year. I would list it. Okay. This one zoom comes out. This is when Calendly comes out or Calendly is an annual thing, or this is when uh, Zencaster comes out and I'd list all those. So I could see them. I knew all my expenses. I only have a handful of them. Okay. I don't have a team yet. So it's just me. And so I could look and say, okay, this is, I know this is going out every month. Uh, my Kajabi, that's once a year. Calendly is once a year. Canvas once a year. It, but I put that on a spreadsheet. Again, don't overcomplicate this. Okay. When you become a big business, then you can get into complexity. But having this simple spreadsheet, which I can just look at at a glance, I know where I am. But to your point, a lot of people, they look at the bank balance. But I can say, yeah, I have $500 in my, my business account, but I know $250 is going to come out for expenses. Now I'm down to 250. Then I got to take taxes out. That's going to give you more true sense. So I think even if you use simple tools, it's not going to laser focus in it, but you're going to have a much better idea than if you just had your head in the sand. Yeah. Any awareness you give to yourself of these things, you're going to make better decisions with the expenses you choose to take on. Now, let me ask you about, I, I alluded to a complexity. I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs that go out and they spend they have no income, by the way. They just open up, no income. They're going out and getting a virtual assistant. I'm like, you should be doing it yourself. You just opened the business. How are you going to pay these people? Oh, my credit card. That's not a smart thing. And then they go out and get an accountant. And I'm like, accountants are great, but they want to get paid. If you have no income, why are you going out and getting an accountant or some fancy accounting software? I, I would say, look, at as you grow, which may take two weeks, may take two months, but you got to be able to afford to pay these people. And to go get a service, whether it's accountant or software, and you're going to put in a credit card because you have no income, I, I think is, you know, I think is a mistake. What do you think? Yeah, I think we have to be smart about creating a business. Um, if I were to do that, usually these people are should maybe think ahead, right? If, if I know I'm going to start a business, let me start putting away some money now because you might have some ramp up period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly when when you do start off, only take on the most absolutely necessary expenses to keep you in business. Uh, And so what do you need to spend to earn revenue? Hiring an accountant that doesn't earn you revenue. So that probably isn't an expense you're going to take on in the first few months. Uh, The same with a VA. Like, yeah, if you don't have any customers yet where you're making income yet, what assistance is that person going to be giving you anyways? Uh, and I, I do think I see a lot of business owners try to jump too quickly into, well, this is the lifestyle and vision I want to have, even though, oh, looks like my, my business isn't healthy enough to support all these things yet. So we just have to accept it's not like flipping a light switch. It's more of a dial, right? We have to, we dial in. And then as we start getting income, now we can take some stuff off our plate. Oh yeah. You know what? I hate doing the accounting. It's been three months. I have some revenue. Great. I'm going to make up that time that I have been spending looking at my accounting and I'm going to be able to invest it now in, um, you know, bringing on revenue. But that's also a caveat too, because we see this all the time. Uh, If you're going to leverage your cash to free up your time, you actually have to use that time you leveraged to work on your business. Mm -hmm. You will eventually, yes, reach the point where you can invest your money in freeing up time and you can use that time for personal reasons and just have more flexibility and work less hours. That happens, but it is a progression. And if you're looking at from a startup stage, 
the first time you free up needs to go back into re like you need to still use that time. Uh, you can't just take it off. I have been talking a lot on social media recently about IPAs, income producing activities. For example, changing the font in your website is not an IPA. You need to be prospecting. You need to be creating content. You need to be building a membership site, doing something that's going to create uh, income. I got caught in this because we all have these funnels or pipelines, whatever word you want to use them. And I was reading through a book. Russell Brunson's got a book called Expert Secrets. And I read the book and I knew this. This is what really drove me crazy, John. I knew this. When someone signs up for my email list, I was not offering them, hey, you want to join my monthly membership program or you want to buy my course? And I knew this, but I hadn't implemented it. Now, stopping and implementing that, that was an income producing activity because now since someone signs up to be a Mark Chesky insider, they get pits on joining my membership. But it's simple things like that. But so many people, they're like, well, I got to redo the office or I need to get a better microphone or get a new wardrobe. Okay, Is that producing income for you? Because if you don't have income, you can't pay your mortgage or rent. You can't pay your employees. You can't pay your VA. You can't pay your accountant. And I, I think so many people are not spending time on that. And I, I, I encourage someone. I just came up with the idea a couple of, year, a couple of days ago. What I want people to do is start giving themselves an IPA grade at the end of every day. Okay, grade yourself the old school grade, A, B, C, D, and F. Did you have a good income producing activity day or not? Because I think if you grade yourself every day, now it's like, holy crap, I got a, myself a D minus. What did I do today? Oh, yeah, I was doing, I was fooling around on Facebook working on my profile. That doesn't generate income. So I think IPAs is a really big thing entrepreneurs need to spend time on. Yeah, so that I have three things that that triggers for me. One, um, I had a client. He had an amazing product that reduces the energy uh, through windows. It's like a window insert. Mm -hmm. So like double paned. He had some stuff in there. He had a membrane around it. Very effective way to go into any house and like plug in this insert and it's going to reduce their utility bills. He spent, I I like four years creating the perfect business plan so that he could get investors <laughs> instead of just going out and selling the freaking product. And guess what? <laughs> Eventually competitors caught up to him mm. and he's, he's not, he hasn't been around for a decade now. And it's like, you had such a great thing. Um, the other thing, a uh, second thing that comes to mind is uh, I interact with uh, one of my business mentors. She has a $15 million plus company. And she does a lot of videos. Guess what? Even at a $15 million company, she's still recording videos often on her iPhone. She's not wasting time like, I got to get the perfect setup. I got to get the perfect lighting. Mm -hmm. And let's get the perfect microphone. Let me spend money on this. And I don't want to pull the trigger on anything, right? I mean, it's the concept of uh, ship it first, I think, and, and then improve it later. Yes. And then the other thing that comes to mind too, though, is I always like to bring it on the other side is... Uh, income producing activities are awesome. As your business grows, you will have to have days, of course, where it's maintaining and it's kind of the business headache stuff. So don't beat yourself up depending on the size of your business. If not every day is a great A grade for IPA, but you should have um, a good few A days. I, I'm using your metaphor. Like I think it's awesome. I think it's a great idea. Plus, we don't often grade ourselves on how well the day was. And mm -hmm. I know I get home sometimes. It's like, 
what did I do today? Yeah. I don't even remember. Um, so I think even just taking the time to reflect on what you did during the day is is super important habit for us as we want to continue to grow our businesses. Hey, you listening to the Mark Jachowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Jachowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Well, I use a bullet journal because I like writing in a paper journal. And one of the last things I write in my journal is three amazing things that happened today. Okay. It forces me to think about the day. Sometimes I don't have anything and I'll just write down, man, you had a bad day today. And it's okay. Like you said, it's going to ebb and flow. I had a good friend of mine four years ago, you know, when I started my podcast, like, man, I'm going to start a podcast. And I started my podcast in July of 2017 and, you know, July, August, September, October, November. And I saw the guy in like February, how's the podcast going? Well, I'm still working on it. I got to get a producer. I got to do an editor. I'm like, I went to Google and typed in, how do you start a podcast? And just started it. You know, and, and it's going to be horrible. No one wants Gary Vaynerchuk's first videos, but you got to start. And of course he quit after like eight episodes because he spent so much time getting ready. By the time he finally launched it, I already had like 500 episodes out. I'm like, dude, just do it. Nobody is going to care. They're more interested. First of all, they're going to be, oh my gosh, you started a podcast. Number two, they're like, well, thanks for the content. Now, if you just go there and don't, don't talk about anything, that's something totally different. But I'm saying there's something about doing, like the, the lady you mentioned, your iPhone takes great video. Why are you going to worry about hiring? Now, if you're a Brendan Burchard or Grant Cardone, you can afford a videographer, fine, you go out and do it. But for most people, if you're out and about and you're struck with inspiration, turn on the iPhone and record the video. It's better than yeah. not recording at all. And those guys, Grant and Brent, Brendan, they didn't start out that way, right? It's the same thing. I, I tell my kids this. I tell my team members this. Everyone in the world is terrible at something the first time they do it, right? Like I go back and look at some of our earlier content pieces that we were super proud about when we produced them. And like now, it, I mean, it makes us almost want to throw up, you know, but it, it's progress. It's, it's how we continue to grow. Yeah. Just get in. It's so much more important to start the behavior than it is to worry about perfection because guess what? Nowadays, your audience, the people you're trying to serve anyways, they appreciate the authenticity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like a lot of people who are techno nerds, they say, I got to record in 4K. I said, are your are your viewers watching it in 4K? <laughs> uh, because guess what? Facebook doesn't broadcast in 4K. Neither does Instagram. Neither does TikTok. So you're wasting all this time recording these huge, huge files that no one's watching. So that's, that's to me, that's silly. That's silly. I agree. And the other thing is, I think it's funny when you talked about, you know, everyone starts at ground zero, everyone starts at ground zero, unless you start a podcast at, at Oprah's age and everybody knows who your name is. Most people start at ground zero, but I, I, I post a lot on social media. I'm trying to do what Gary Vaynerchuk says and post a hundred times a day. I've gotten up to 80 times a day. Now that sounds like a lot, but if I, create a 60 second TikTok video and put that on Instagram reels. Then I chop it up. That's four more pieces for Instagram stories. So it adds up pretty quickly, but some people go, Oh, you're not doing the reels, right? You're not doing, um, you know, this right or that, right. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I don't have time to sit there and study Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I get a thought, I record a video, I push it out. I go back to my IPAs. Okay. 
I'm getting people engaging with my content and following me because what you said, authentic. I'm not trying to make a super polished video. I have a thought, I share the insight, and I go back to my what I was working on. So many people, they are obsessed about creating a 30-second video. I'm like, really? Now, if you're making $10 million on that video, I could say, okay, yeah, go ahead and do it. But most people, it's what Grant Cardone called the 10X rule. We most people have an obscurity problem, and the number one way to cure your obscurity problem is to post and post and post so everyone sees your stuff all the time. Don't be afraid of posting a lot. Some people would get mad, fine, they can stop, they can unfollow you. Most people are not going to see your stuff, that's why you have to keep posting. Yeah, totally. It, it's about doing the work and accepting that we're not perfect. Absolutely. So we talked a lot on the show today, but is there anything that we didn't mention that you'd like to share with us that you want new entrepreneurs or new startups to know so they don't stumble and, and hit their shin in the middle of the night? Um, maybe just a word of, I don't know, encouragement. Starting off a business is usually a lot harder than you thought it was. Mm-hmm. We initially felt the inspiration to set out and create your business. But you felt that and you have a desire as a new business to serve your audience. And you know that those you interact with and those you serve are going to be better off because of it. In order to continue to do that, you have to have profit. Please do not ignore it. I know that most people uh, do not start their business to become accountants or to even think about it. I get it. It's it's one of the least sexy parts of a business. But the truth is with profit, the profit allows you to do all the sexy things that then allows you to serve even more people and to serve people longer or for at least as long as you choose to. Not Because uh, if you don't have profit, you basically don't have a choice and you may go out of business. So just keep at it and just know that there needs to be an element of what you do on a consistent basis, it doesn't have to be a lot of time, maybe twice a month, sit down and look at your numbers so that you can understand your profitability. More than, I mean, once a week at most, but twice a month is pretty sufficient for most owners. So be profitable. It takes courage to be profitable, but just know that that's the best way to leave a legacy. And when you leave your six-figure job with all the cushy perks and benefits and vacations, just realize that it's going to take you anywhere from three to five years to get that same level working for yourself. So don't think that it's all profit when you start your own business because you don't have a secretary. Uh, you are the guy or the gal. And a lot of people think, I could do this myself and make lots of money. You don't realize how much infrastructure you're using at your current job. So I know a lot of people do that. They get stuck into like, I'll work for myself and make the same amount of money. No, you won't. And you know that as well, because you're an accountant. Big change when you go from working for a corporation to working for yourself. Totally. Uh, People underestimate the infrastructure, like you said. Um, But again, you don't need the full infrastructure that you're dealing with. But yes, you're going to be wearing a lot of hats when you start off. Absolutely. Well, John, where can we go find out more about you, what you're doing in the world and how we can get your book? Um, so our firm is insighttax.com and that's um, like the Insider Riot, I-N-C-I-T-E-T-A-X.com. And actually, if you, we talked about expenses and in my book, I have an entire chapter on how to analyze expenses. I came up with nine questions that are worth asking 
that give you the right mindset to determine, is this actually serving my business or my audience? Um, and if you go to insighttax.com backslash wealth, uh, you should be able to download that for free. Um, and then of course on our website, we have lots of blog posts. We talk about great tax strategies and things just all related to cash flow and how to grow your wealth through business and tax savings. And your book is available everywhere. It is available. Um, I mean, Amazon is the most place people are buying it, but yeah, it's on Barnes and Noble and some of those online websites as well. But Amazon's is the big beast. Yes, it is. You, you gotta be on Amazon. I've got two self-published books that I wrote uh, uh, another lifetime ago. They're still for sale. No one buys them. It, it's okay. Uh, but I can say I'm on Amazon. Never was a bestseller. Uh, I think I sold a handful of copies because I didn't know what I was doing back then. Uh, I don't want to pull the book off because maybe someone will buy it. You know, maybe someday when I become yeah. really famous, they'll go, Oh my gosh, he, I bought, wrote, bought his first book. I don't know what it is, but I bought it. They're kind of embarrassing, but they are for sale on Amazon. So, uh, John, John, thank you so much for being on the show today. I learned a lot, and I know if I learned a lot, I know the listener learned a lot. So thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.